Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, people think about what they're doing in life in different ways, don't they? Uh, how would you describe it for you? Uh, is it growing in wisdom? You know, adding to your experiences and taking what you've learned and growing in understanding how to live. Uh, is it growing in security? Uh, where we live in a community, don't we, where consumption reigns and in Sydney where housing is our preoccupation and no matter what you have, the temptation is always to work for more. Uh, is it growing in value in your own eyes uh, through who you know or how you compare or what you've done? Now, I mention all those things because as followers of Jesus, we know the pull each of those have, and I've certainly felt them myself at many and different times, and I expect you have too. But as followers of Jesus, we also know that there's an alternative way to think about life, uh, about what we're doing and how we're growing and where we're going. And today's passage we read from Hebrews 12, it challenges us for, for all the voices that are out there that want to influence this and those that perhaps we only hear in the background, this word from God is a game changer, reality for us to embrace. This is what life's about. Now, talking about games, uh, it's only when we know the game we're in that we can have any chance of measuring and striving for true success in it. Uh, you might know the cricket's back up and running and, and imagine if success as a bowler uh, was aiding the batsmen to get the highest score possible. Uh, they'd certainly go about their job differently, wouldn't they? Uh, and they wouldn't last long on the Australian cricket team doing that uh, because they wouldn't be playing cricket. Well, here is both what life's about and how to navigate it successfully. Now, it's a, it's a chapter of three parts, verses 1 to 3, 4 to 13, 14 to the end. I'm going to concentrate on verses 1 to 3 in particular this morning, but uh, we will touch on the rest of the chapter as well. They certainly all go together. And really, this is the climax of the whole book of Hebrews. Let me read out from near the end of verse 1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I don't know whether you've ever thought of your life as a race, uh, as yourself fundamentally as an athlete pounding the track. I know that for some of us, uh, that's as attractive as, say, cutting off your right arm. Uh, but at the same time, it's not an uncommon picture of Christian life in the Bible, and so a race it is. And you get the overwhelming sense that this race... It's a long haul. Why else would you need to persevere? And it's because this race isn't a short sprint, but a marathon. I've always had a lot of respect for endurance runners. Not only have they trained their bodies, they've trained their minds as well. How else can they endure what they do, breaking through the, the pain barrier to go the distance? Uh, when I was a kid in uh, Newcastle, Many years ago, I announced to my parents that I was going on the Newcastle Fun Run, a 10-kilometre run, uh, having done no training whatsoever. 
I didn't know it at the time, but mum and dad had made their assessment of whether I'd persevere, and mum wanted dad to drive around the course to pick me up in a crumpled mess along the way. Uh, I did finish it. You can only put that down to the forgiving uh, uh, body of a youth uh, that I didn't need him to pick me up at all. But the writer of Hebrews, he knew what he was doing when he painted this picture. Everyone would know what he was talking about. Uh, You see, the Mediterranean world loved its running races. They filled arena after arena to see runners race. They lived in awe of their athletes. And so compare the Christian life to a race and they knew exactly what he meant. As today, no doubt, do we. But of course, with any race, the goal is to finish. And here the emphasis is to persevere in order to get to the finish as well. So how do we persevere? Well, put yourself in the picture here. I want you to imagine yourself, if you could, running on the track in the ANZ Stadium. Uh, And as you're running this race, there are two places to give your attention. The first is gathered around in the stands. They're called in verse 1, such a great cloud of witnesses. He's talking about all the people he's written about in chapter 11, uh, the huge array of characters that fill the pages of our Bibles who have modelled to us what it means to trust God's promises when they were only that, just promises. Abraham, who left everything he knew behind to follow God. Moses, who totally stepped out of his comfort zone to lead God's people out of slavery. The countless others who, well, they trusted God at his word. What they went through, it was never easy, but they went through it nonetheless. So as we read these pages, it's not so much that these men and women are watching us compete as we're watching them who have finished competing. Uh, They sit in the stands, finished the race. And so as you run the race, as we run ours, we can see them in the stands. We can point to them and say to each other, look, there's Abraham. And look, there's Noah. They finished, so so can we. These people are here to blow us away with the possibilities. They're an example to us of just what trust in God's promises looks like, of just how endurance plays out. And so it's for that reason we're told in verse 1, let us throw off everything that hinders, that is to say the things that weigh us down and will slow us down, and the sin that so easily entangles that will trip us up. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Uh, If you're in a race, you want to do whatever it takes to get to the end. Anyone here ever been into the city to surf? Anyone? We're a sporty bunch, aren't we? Oh, (laughs) one. Excellent. I'm sure there's many of us out there just to get our percentage up. Uh, Have you seen what all the competitors do at the start of the race? Uh, They get there nice and early. Uh, so they can get a good spot, but you've got to keep warm so your muscles don't cramp up. 
So they wear their trackies and jumpers to do just that. And just as the race is about to begin, they take them all off. Because you don't run in those, do you? You don't want any unnecessary weight. You don't want anything to entangle you and trip you up. And as they all race off, well, the legacy is a ton of clothes left which go to charity. If you and I are going to be making the distance as Christians, we need to get rid of the excess baggage and the things that will trip us up. In the first place, they may not even be sin because he sort of, he's got two things in view here, hasn't he? But, but the things that fill out time, the preoccupations we have, the distractions we have. We'll come to sin in a moment, but let me just focus on this first one. Uh, and what I've noticed over the last 30 years is busyness uh, has reared its head as a great hinderer. How many times have you asked people, uh, how are they going, and they've told you they're busy? Or when they've asked you, in the same breath they offer the answer, uh, they ask you and sort of give you the answer that they're expecting to hear, which is busy, I suppose. But there are times where to run with perseverance, we need to say no to busyness. What might it be for you? For some of us, we have adult children. It might be to say no to your adult children and their requests in order to prioritise something else. And for those of us who have children living at home with us, it might be to limit the activities we agree for them to do so that we can prioritise other things. And I need to say this too, and I say this with trepidation and at the risk of being misunderstood, uh, because I've been seeing it happen again and again and I say it to people when I talk to them, if you're a husband and wife with children who are still at school uh, if, and you both work full time, that's going to make it super hard for you to persevere in the Christian life, giving it the priority it needs. That means I really want you to rethink your priorities. I want you to Well, the thing is, it's the air we breathe all around us that you can do it all. Uh, and it's the pressure we feel uh, with Sydney housing prices. And when I've said this to people, uh, uh, I'm sure many of them have thought and others have actually told me, they've said, you don't understand. Or if that's what it's like around this church, I won't come back. Or if you don't affirm what I've decided, well then, Roger, you're judgmental and not loving me. But I'm saying this because I do love people. And I've seen it happen too many times and I'm not saying it as if I'm very different at all because I'm saying it knowing full well I need to keep rethinking my priorities. Whatever our and our each particular circumstances, you wouldn't go running in a formal outfit. Uh, there's a formal going on, or someone from our house is going to a formal tomorrow. That's not the proper outfit 
to run with perseverance, we have to throw off what's holding us back from Christian perseverance. Of course, that's why sin has to be laid aside too. I don't think the writer is thinking in the first place of uh, certain like listing off particular sins, but he's actually thinking about the whole way of thinking that Jesus has freed us from. You know the deal, don't you? Something like this going through our heads consciously or when we look back uh, with the benefit of hindsight, the sort of words in our heads that go, look, no one understands better than me how to handle this. Uh, I'll look after it. Whether it's dealing with telling the truth to your neighbour or how we speak to our family when we're frustrated. Uh, Those sorts of phrases like the, you know, no one understands, I'll handle this. They should be setting off alarm bells and flashing lights for us because when things get complicated, our sin denies the holiness of God. That's the very nature of sin. And the word of God and thinks, yeah, we know better saying, I'll look after this one, thanks God. And when you hear those words, well, maybe you don't hear them, but it's the attitude, isn't it? Then you have it again, played out in an instant, the very attitude that put us head to head with God in the first place. And it all has to do with perspective. The difference between our perspective and God's perspective Be like those city to surf runners. In our case, taking off sin and laying it aside. Putting in one foot in front of another and saying, I'll do what you'll have me do, Lord. Now, of course, I'm not saying at this point uh, uh, that healthy, growing Christians don't experience sin in their lives, that that's not what we're promised But that when we do, we name it for what it is and we lay it at the feet of the one who saved us and ask him to change us. But I said there were two places to look, didn't I? Uh, And we've left the most important to second. This is what we read uh, near the end of verse 1. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the cloud of witnesses, when it comes to perseverance, God gave them for us to look at and be inspired. But Jesus, he takes this to the whole next level because he makes perseverance possible. You see, Jesus is the one who makes our faith possible. He's faith's founder. Uh, He's the one who smashed through the barrier of our collective sin. He's the one who opened the way for us to trust the promises of God for our eternal future. Not only did he found the faith, lay the foundation, he made it perfect and complete, which has been such an important theme through the whole of Hebrews. You see, as you look at the stand, you see there at the finishing line, you see Jesus sitting down. His race is finished. 
He's sitting in the place of greatest honour. But he has run the race so we can be certain that we will persevere in ours. He has run so that through his efforts we will complete ours and take our seat beside him at the end. You know, this is no pull yourself up by your bootstraps, God helps those who help themselves, sort of mumbo-jumbo. You'll never find that sort of thinking in the Bible. If we persevere, we've persevered because he persevered. Fix your eyes on him. But like I said before, in the Bible, by what it majors on, teaches us what we need to major on. The very uh, call to perseverance here means that this race, it won't be a walk in the park. And I'm sure lots of you could tell me a thing or two about perseverance. Uh, Walked before me as you have. And I'm sure lots of you... Well, the longer you've been around, the more opportunity, of course, you've had to do it. But if, if our Lord had to endure the suffering and humiliation of the cross, why would we expect any different? <laughs> That'd be naive, wouldn't it? Or arrogant or foolish. But Jesus was an example to us as well. Because as he stood on one side of the cross with the suffering that must come with it, he could see past it to his completed mission and to his glory on the other side and that's what drove him on. And by doing that, he shows us how to live this life. He shows us true success. He shows us God the Father doing what is for our best even when our take on it, what's happening, can feel quite different. I did say we'd touch on the rest of the chapter, uh, didn't I? This is an appropriate moment to turn to that second part, verses 4 to 13, because hardship and suffering and the difficulties we find trusting Jesus and the obstacles of sin and its consequences, again, if we look at them through that lens of just here and now, they seem insurmountable. Or to suggest that God isn't keeping his promises. They're just plain unpleasant. Wouldn't that have been the temptation Jesus would have felt as well? But the whole point of verses 4 to 13 is this. The hardship and suffering we're experiencing, even as we trust Jesus, God is using it to grow us in holiness. Verse 7, endure hardship, the writer says, as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Now, our immediate reaction to hearing the word discipline is potentially to think of it as a bad thing, but discipline need not be that at all. In fact, as parents, you would find yourself doing many things uh, that you actually do for a good reason, In fact, it's a vital thing. Uh, The writer's point is being disciplined grows a child into adulthood and it's the act of someone who loves you. For those of you who've been parents uh, uh, or might be in the future, uh, 
Would you go through all the arguments you would with your children about holding hands to cross the road? I've had that one a few times. Uh, Or when they had to go to bed or how they spoke to other people. Would you bother going through the pain and suffering that you experience if they weren't precious people and entrusted to your care? You'd just give in. Let them do what they want. End End the conflict. But you wouldn't be loving them. We're told over and over in different ways to keep running, to press on. Uh, Sorry, I've gone a bit far there. Uh, We could spend a whole passage uh, on just a sermon on this passage, uh, verses 4 to 12, because it helps us see things not from our narrow view of the world, but from God's perspective. And like parents disciplining their children, God our Father disciplines us for our good and we should rejoice in that. So we read in verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Now, have you noticed that this climactic point in Hebrews how we're told over and over again to keep running, press on. So here's just some of the examples through the way. Verse 1, run with perseverance. Uh, Verse 2, consider Jesus and don't grow weary. Verse 7, endure hardship. Verse 12, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. And then it happens again in this third section. Uh, Let me just pick out verse 14, make every effort. And verse 25, see to it that none of you refuses him who speaks. Here is something that's been underlying in this last section, verses 14 to the end, all along, but it comes to the forefront. As God's children, people who are getting rid of the entanglements of sin, we must grow in holiness. Reading from verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. As we run this race as we throw off what hinders and the sin that entangles, as we face hardship and suffering. With perseverance, we will grow in holiness. We're taking on the family likeness, aren't we? Poor Sam Cunningham. He's my firstborn son, He got up the front here. Uh, We ran something a couple of years ago where he spoke for a few minutes. And after it, everyone kept coming up to me and saying, gee, he looks and sounds like you. His uh, younger brothers did better, though. They look like their mum. And we know, don't we, as children, whether it's, uh, it's those things that come through the genes or from living in the environment... Uh, We grow up in the likeness of our parents. And as God's children, 
We're to grow up in his likeness, in holiness. The two mountains there are there to make things clearer. Uh, Two mountains, uh, the first one without Jesus, Hebrews harks back to Mount Sinai and Moses and Israel and it's a frightening picture because of God's holiness and their sin. But with we, with Jesus, we come to the heavenly city, to Mount Zion, to the eternal Jerusalem with God, made holy by the mediation and sacrifice of Jesus, having the consequences for our sin taken away, and we don't need to be frightened. That is the reality of our relationship with God now. But until we arrive there where we see it in all its fullness, we're growing in living out that holiness that's already been given to us. You know, there's a confidence I take away uh, from the way Hebrews is written that drives me to prayer. Notice that it says about our race... It is the race marked out for us. Uh, We didn't choose it. We didn't choose God. But he knows the race we have to run and he's caring for us along the way. There is nothing that's outside of his control, his concern or his ability to shape in answer to prayer. So run and persevere. None of us could have imagined what the last two years would look like and I don't know what the next year will look like easier uh, either. In fact, I've had the experience of talking with people and I feel the same myself is that actually after, you know, there was a bit of novelty with COVID-1 but COVID-2 was pretty much all downer. (laughs) And what I'm hearing repeatedly is that people are tired Worn, uh, perhaps struggling, and and it, it's even in the news. Uh, there's stories about you know from America, whether it's true or not. Anything from America, you know, take with a grain of salt. Uh, that they're expecting lots of people to resign from the jobs they're doing now and to look for different jobs, and they're saying that might happen in Australia. And I and the the, re- the thinking, the reasoning is, is that people are worn out and going, oh, I don't want to live with this anymore. It could be true of our thinking about Christian living and Christian service and even church. Just thinking, I just need a break because I'm worn. But the thing is, it's not work or serving or church that's making us worn out. It's actually COVID. It's been really difficult. I want to encourage you as you think, don't step off the accelerator in perseverance. Don't step back from that. We do need some downtime, some refresh and renewal from what's happened. But don't step back from Christian perseverance. And as we look ahead, let's not be surprised when we have to endure hardships 
And this side of heaven, that is par for the course. Uh, we live in an unruly world that's in the quagmire of sin where we experience the death of people we love. Where perhaps we or others might have drawn out sickness. Maybe we'll lose what we own. Or even worse, get what we always wanted. I just can't tell for sure which it will be for you or for me. I can't say exactly what we each have to endure. But coming back to 12 verse 1 to 3, verse 3 encourages us not to drop the ball or to be, be afraid. It says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. The antidote to chucking it in, the key to our perseverance is to look to our Lord. I love these words. And it's a privilege to sit under them together. Now my hope and prayer for you is that you will grow in holiness, that you will persevere as you keep running the race and in God's kindness, you will. Now run. And run as men and women who won't let anything get in the way of finishing. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you that you have answered our prayers again that your living word has met us uh, exactly where we need to hear it. Give us perseverance, we pray. Uh, enable us to run this race through Jesus who has made the way for us and been an example and dearly loves us. We want to be holy by your spirit at work for us, in us. We want to cast off the hindrances and distractions and preoccupations that distract us from you. We want to be rid of the sin that entangles and only because of your work in us. Please do that work, we pray. Grow us into the holiness which is already ours in Christ and enable us to serve one another as we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing together now about the amazing mystery of focusing on the second mountain that Roger spoke of and we heard about in the passage, the, the Mount Zion, the amazing mystery that Jesus has saved us. Such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, let us look to Jesus today and this week uh, as we persevere in faith. Uh, we've got some time now to encourage one another over morning tea. Uh, it's on out the back. It's beautiful weather. Let's go join together in that, and we'll see you next week.